Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we are back. So I have three really short questions for all of you. Question number one, do you need more leads? Question number two, do you want to have to pay for those leads? And question number three, um, are you sick and tired of overly complicated, ridiculous lead generation systems with air quotes that take forever to even maybe get one lead out of? I'm guessing you have answered the questions in the same way that Frankly, millions of other agents are answering the questions that you're tired of being charged for leads. You're tired of being told to generate leads that require some ridiculous 14-stage funnel or a 1,000 social media videos or becoming the mayor of your town. You want to know how to generate fantastic leads now, and you don't want to have to pay for those leads. Well, you're going to love today's podcast. So here's a fact. Open houses are an amazing source of business, especially in a low inventory market, which most of you are living in. Don't ignore this amazing opportunity to secure both motivated buyers and new listing prospects. Don't just sit at your open houses, learn to monetize them. It's a one-day event just for a few hours, but you can make maximum contacts. This is a super efficient way of generating leads when done correctly. Now, we're going to give you a very nuanced approach to doing open houses. And open houses are something, obviously, all of you guys can do, as promised, and they don't cost a lot of money, if any money at all. Um, And even if you don't have any listings, we're going to share with you exactly how to start holding open houses. Uh, This is something that is holding open houses right now is without a doubt one of the most effective things you can be doing in this market. Now, I want to share with you guys some basic market knowledge. And just for the sake of brevity, I'm going to essentially, uh, you know, I'm going to keep this as short as possible. When When a buyer is entering the market to buy a house, the first thing that they do is they're going to look on the internet. The next thing they're going to do after they've looked on the internet is they're going to start focusing on general generalized communities. Maybe they're going to look at, you know, I'm trying to decide this city or that city. And then after they've actually decided where they want to live, then they start driving neighborhoods for open houses. Now, why am I telling you that? The best buyers, many of which have homes to sell, are filtering themselves, right? They're putting themselves through funnels. And so by the time they start driving neighborhoods, a vast majority of them will have already decided that they actually want to live in that neighborhood neighborhood or a nearby mm-hmm. neighborhood. What am I, why am I telling you this? Because the best buyers are often the ones that are driving past open house signs and going into open houses. They've already decided that they want to buy a house. You'll find that many of them are already pre-approved. And you're also going to discover that many of them are ready to purchase a home and have yet to commit to an agent. When somebody, and this is a typical pi, uh, pattern of behavior, this is the reason that frankly, internet leads are so, generally speaking, especially buyer internet leads, are so ineffective compared to open house leads is because you're getting them at the top of the funnel. When you say, well, the buyers aren't serious and they're just looky-loos and they're tire kickers and all the rest of it, those are almost always your internet leads because, again, think about it. They're the ones that are just getting started. The ones that you're going to meet at an open house have been sometimes looking for months to decide what neighborhood they want to live in. Now they've decided what neighborhood they want to live in. Guess what they do next? They then choose the agent they're going to work with based on, and here's the best part, Generally speaking, the first agent that they meet, every single research 
uh, study that's ever been done on how consumers choose their agents. If they're not choosing their agent that's their, uh, essentially a center of influence past client type or their past agent, what they're doing is they're choosing the first agent that they meet and the first agent that they meet, if you're doing effective open houses in the neighborhood or nearby the neighborhood in which they want to live, will be you. You get it? This is the reason that um, when consumers are choosing who they're going to work with, you're frankly, and this is kind of you know grinding for a lot of you, the, your time in uh, the market doesn't matter. The number, your success doesn't matter. Your previous success doesn't really matter because they're going to choose the first agent that they meet and obviously like at an open house. I'm telling you something that if you're a new agent, you should be incredibly excited about. And I know from Julie and I's own experience that our first year in the business, we sold over 100 homes. No one had ever done it up to that point, and everyone's done it since. And we are in our early 20s. And what we did is what we're going to tell you guys how to do, and we've coached literally maybe over a million agents to do in the last 20 years how to do this exact system. It's very simple. We're going to give these points very quickly, but I don't want you to start telling yourself that you can't do this because you don't have listings. You can. I don't want you to tell yourself you can't do this because you haven't been in the business forever. You can. I don't want you to tell yourself you can't do this or shouldn't do this because you've been in the business forever. You should because you are going to lose market share to the more aggressive, more focused agents who are the first agents that those best buyers who oftentimes have homes to sell are meeting when they go through open houses. Anyone who's been in this business for any amount of time knows everything I just said is true. Consumers do not, generally speaking, uh, go through a big lengthy process choosing that they, the agent that they're going to work with. They choose the first agent that they meet, be that agent, and chances are you're going to start doing more deals. In this market, more than maybe ever before, this is all about direct personal contacts. And a direct personal contact are the exact contacts you're going to have in an open house. If you've only been in real estate in the last 15 years, no one's really been telling you that. Everyone's been telling you branding, marketing, buying your business, all these other things. Well, the market has changed. You need to change with the market. It's about direct personal contact. That's who's going to win now. That's right. So we're going to give you a series of points so that you can get away from just sitting in an open house and seeing how it goes and get towards monetizing your open house, creating lots of leads to follow up on, lots of opportunities. So before we get to our first point, Tim uh, skimmed over here for a second about if it's not your listing, maybe you don't have any listings, that's okay. Your job is to borrow an open house from an agent or your broker. It's also okay to hold any open house from any broker in your state. It doesn't have to be in your brokerage. Lead with the right house not the agent or broker. And that includes some of my elite coaching clients, Tim, are going to builders for their spec inventory. You can do that as opens as well. Well, that's actually a fantastic idea because there's so many added benefits to helping yes. out that new build rep have a Saturday off, for example, exactly. or a Sunday off. And uh, yeah, that's a great idea. Again, be very clear about what Julie just said. You can hold any house open. You obviously have to get the permission of the listing broker. All right. So here are your 10 rules, I think, Julie. It's 10 or 12. Let's scan down and see scan how many down. we got. And yeah, these are going to go kind of fast. We're going to go through these quick, but just write these down. And these notes are obviously available when you scroll down. And by the way, yes, you can join Premier Coaching right now for free. And yes, that does include a daily semi-private coaching call. This podcast, which is the nation's number one listened to daily podcast, downloaded literally millions of times per year, guys. This is by far the number one source for agents to go to for real estate training. I'm emphasizing the word training 
because that's what this is. Coaching is something at a different level. So if you like the training you're receiving on our podcast, as obviously many of you do, you're going to love the coaching and the best part is we made it free for you to join. You can just go to premiercoaching.com and join or just scroll down in the show description if you're on YouTube or obviously iTunes, Spotify, all the billions of places this podcast is uh, featured. Download, or I'm sorry, just scroll down and then click the link and you're good to go. All right, Julie, let's give them the rules for monetizing open houses. And again, the notes are available. Just scroll down. You can get them when you're enrolling in Premier Coaching. Julie, point number one. Point number one, possibly the most important point, choose the right house. First time move up homes are the best. Popular neighborhoods, school districts, and zip codes. You know what's hot and what's not, so choose wisely. And if you don't know what's hot and what's not, talk to your broker, get some advice but choose the right house. Don't hold an open that's behind gates, up a twisty road, hard to find, hard to park, or other inconveniences, which will automatically wreck your attendance. Yeah, I mean, first time move up. What does that mean? It means that when you, first time home buyer houses are great. They 100% do those if that's your best opportunity. But the best opportunity overall to do multiple transactions are going to be when those first-time home buyers are moving up to the next neighborhood. And what you'll discover, many of you already know this, is that generally speaking, people follow, especially locally, they'll follow uh, sort of the same migration trends, you know? Absolutely. They'll, go for, they'll start in one neighborhood and then they'll go to another or maybe then the neighborhood after that, they'll choose between three different neighborhoods. Because what you'll see is most people are born and, you know, pass away within the same, I think it's a 100-mile radius. It might actually be a 50-mile radius. Yes. Mm-hmm. In other words, most people never actually move from where they were born and they're not going to move much, you know, out of the same community ever. So they stay within the same overall geographic area and they do go from one neighborhood. You know, people start out neighborhood A and they move to neighborhood B kind of thing. Hold homes open when you can in neighborhood B. Why? Because you're going to get the people moving up from the, you know, what was their first home into the second home, into the move up home, and then you're going to sell them that house, but you're also then going to get the listing on what they have to sell. You guys get it? And then you can obviously then wash, rinse, and repeat over and over and over and over and over again. But if you have no other options, then those first-time home buyer houses work great. Now, I'll tell you something that is maybe a little counterintuitive. Holding the really high-end homes open in some markets is really a waste of time because there's just not enough people looking in those particular neighborhoods. And they're going to be, again, breaking the rules behind multiple security gates, a hassle to get to. And you're going to get a lot of more looky-loos that are just curious about what a big mansion looks like. So if you're wanting to be transactional, help as many people as you can and obviously make as much money as you can. Work in that center of the market and work in that, you know, the market where you're going to get obviously a lot more, uh, you know, velocity. Yes, absolutely. And I would add that the higher up you go, also the more likely those people are to already have an agent relationship. So that's your strategy to choose the right house, stay in that middle of the market. Point number two, use at least 10 directional signs and to ask permission to put those signs on the neighbor's lawns. Here's your script. Who do you know who I should call for my open house this weekend? You can order inexpensive bandit signs and save money. More signs equal more traffic. And I'll tell you, when you use that script at the door asking permission to plant your sign in the corner of their yard, they're always really impressed because most people don't bother to ask. Most other agents haven't held opens in the same community have always just basically planted their signs without permission. 
And when you ask the permission, the sellers really will remember you. And that is actually a funny story because we obviously did that, but then we had coaching clients over the past, you know, 20 years that have done it and have told us they've taken listings because the seller was so mm -hmm. impressed or that owner was so impressed that the agent was courteous enough to ask. Well, that's right. And the other thing that happens, some of you guys listening have tried open houses and had very poor attendance because you planted signs, made the seller, made those homeowners mad and they took your signs down. Again, that's right. <laughs> so sign, you want to know who steals your open house signs. It's not other agents. It's actually the sellers that are mad because you didn't ask for permission. Yep. But yes, so that is very critical. Do a ten, you know, at least 10 directional signs. Ideally, your your first, your open house sign is going to have your name on it. You can, you know, it'll say, for example, EXP Realty, Tim and Julie Harris, open this direction and have the arrow pointing the direction they're supposed to drive. Because what are you doing? You're, you're obviously reminding the marketplace that you're very active in that particular community. Point number three. Point number three, know the listing and know the neighborhood. Now, if it's your listing, then you should already know that. But some of you will be borrowing the listings. Keep a cheat sheet of the following. Active listings, pending listings, and recently sold listings in the same neighborhood as your open house. Know the average days on the market, the average list to sell price ratio, know what the school district is. You've got to be able to talk the talk, be knowledgeable. Remember, knowledge equals confidence and ignorance equals fear. Don't have a bunch of flyers with that information that you're just going to hand out. You're just doing that so that you can basically avoid conversations. Don't do that. That's a wimpy approach to sales. Do have one sheet of paper that you then are not going to give out and then offer to share that with them when you follow up with is going to be a soon, another point where you're asking for their contact. But ask, share with them the market information and then offer to email it to them. That way, obviously, you're capturing their contact information. Point number four. Point number four, know the facts about the competing neighborhoods as well. Is there new construction nearby? Have you toured it and do you know the facts about it? Are builders offering incentives? What's being built around the corner? How do the schools rate? Know something about the competing neighborhoods. That's an easy one to learn. Well, new construction is really critical, right? That's Especially number one new thing. Yeah. Well, here's an advanced suggestion. Everyone who's looking, if you have new constructions competing against your resale in this marketplace because builders are buying down interest rates, we've talked about this a ton on the podcast, new construction is pretty much going to hand resale its ass because, again, the payment's going to be less. Generally speaking, most people are going to prefer a newer home. You would be very smart to gather the information of every single person coming through your open house and then registering them with the builders that are no, that are inevitably going to be uh, you know coming in contact with your or with those people and what you'll discover is many of the new build reps will let you register those buyers with them even if you didn't technically cross the threshold with them but you sent them the form you many of you aren't going to know what the heck I'm talking about and I'll make it really clear the builders will want you to register the buyers with them the builders will usually have a rule that you have to be there the first time with those buyers, but some of them are not going to necessarily follow their own rule or the new build rep's not really going to care. And it's going to come down to a form. So you get said form, you get the name of the buyers as they've come through your open house. If you know for sure, they're going to be crossing the threshold themselves with new construction. And then you register those buyers uh, with that new construction builder. And then if those buyers, even if you've only talked to them once or twice, end up building with that uh, builder in many markets and with many builders, you're going to get paid a commission on that house just because you're the one that registered them. Okay. Now adjust accordingly, make sure you have good relationships with your builders and your new build reps, but that's usually the way a lot of people are selling new construction without having to spend all the time showing a billion different properties. 
And uh, yeah, so there's some advanced coaching for you. Next point, Julie. Yes. Next point. Number five, realize that the seller, whether they're selling with you or another agent, is watching and listening to you. Most homes have cameras now and other security measures, so be complimentary and respectful you are on camera most times. I also suggest, this isn't on Julie's list, that you do go through open houses prior, or you go through the house prior to the open house. Mm-hmm. And with the seller, ideally, or the listing agent at the very least, go to their medicine cabinets and make sure there's no pharmaceutical grade, you know, uh, drugs in there. And then if there are, you ask the seller to stash those someplace. And I don't want to freak you guys out, but there's kind of a, in many major cities, a real problem where people are going to open houses and stealing other people's drugs. So anything like that, any jewelry that's being left out, don't let the seller do something dumb and leave stuff out. Um, yeah. So well, people are habitual, right? So if you come in and you take your watch off and put it next to your keys in the bowl by the front door, you want to check for stuff like that. You know, even sometimes people don't mean to, it's their little kids that are messing about. Let me actually share with something that I haven't told you this, Julie, but yep. it, so right now we have um, coaching clients and podcast listeners in England mm-hmm. um, and EXP people in England. All right. So here's what's happening in uh, London in particular, the number one vehicle to be stolen is a Range Rover Land Rover. Really? And what's happening are people, there are bad guys that are walking down the streets. And I don't know if you guys have been to London before, but imagine just a bunch of row houses or townhomes. And they're hand, taking handheld computers, sometimes their iPhones, and they're able to actually scan the, the RF code off the, uh, the key. So what's happening is people walk in their front doors. They drop their you know keys down, yeah. usually in a table by the front door. Mm-hmm. And then somebody then walks past the front door and then will able is able to scan the actual security code from that key, which is always broadcasting a code. And then they take said computer or mobile phone, and they can then remotely they can then start the car and steal it. So they're able to scan the key because the key is always broadcasting a code. And with that, when you know technically the key is broadcasting a code to the car. You guys know what I'm talking That's about. That's crazy. Key, keyless entry, right? That's the reason most cars yep. don't need keys anymore. Uh, so these are the types of things. So in England, for example, what they're having to do is people are then dropping their keys when they walk in the house into what amounts to a Faraday cage. Wow. But isn't that crazy? That so these crazy. are the types of things that, I'm, I again, don't need to freak you well, out. Well, you just have to be smart about stuff. Right. That's all. Situationally exactly. aware, you would say. Okay. Point number six, capture any and all potential prospects using an app or a sign-in book. Follow up the same day or evening using our open house lead follow-up scripts. Which home in the area do you plan on selling? That's always our favorite script. Some of you guys have done a great job on points one through five, but then you have people sign in and you sit on those leads. You wait like a week or two weeks, and then all of a sudden it you know strikes you. Maybe I ought to call those open house leads back. They're not as likely to even know what you're talking about when you sit on those leads for too long. It has to be follow up the same day or evening they're so much more likely to convert to being your clients. So there's a lot of drill down we're not giving you guys because this isn't the coaching program. This is training, but I will give you a little bit more color on what Julie just said. When you're holding a house open, you need to stay by the front door so you can welcome everyone when they walk in. Don't just follow the buyers around. If you have the ability, have somebody that's with you that actually will be positioned someplace in a different, you know, depending on the size of the house, will be you know, standing someplace else so they too can answer questions. But you need to be by the front door. And by the front door, Julie says app. Personally, I think that's, I would only use a sign in book. And here's the fun part of a sign-in book. First of all, you can get a nice one from a million different places. Mm -hmm. Have one that looks like when people are registering for a wedding or whatever. And then never, like, always allow the pages to accumulate. That way, 
over, let's say you've done 10 open houses and you've had each open house, you've had 20 people register. Now you have uh, 200 people that have registered in this, uh, you know, this registration book. When someone walks in, they see all these previous people have registered. They don't know if it was for this open house or an open house from last weekend. They're going to register. It's the same psychology as to why a tip jar works. When you guys walk mm -hmm. into pick your, you know, Starbucks or whatever, there's a tip jar there. But if there's nothing in the tip jar, Chances are, psychologically, you're not going to put anything in the tip jar. But if it's stuffed full of money, you're going to feel psychologically obligated to do the same thing. And you will also feel obligated to do the same thing if the person in front of you in line at Starbucks put money in the tip jar. You're also going to want to do the same thing. It's this weird little social pressure thing. You can use that same thing with your sign-in book. Um, and then with the sign-in book, above it, say the seller re requests that uh, all, all visitors, guests. all guests register. That's it. And, you know, you're going to stand there. You're going to welcome everyone. The sign-in book's going to be open. Obviously, a lot of other people are registering. There's a sign that says register. You're going to get a lot of more people putting their information. Are all of them going to put uh, their real information? No, but it doesn't matter. At least you're, you know, getting sure. a lot of information. And then, to Julie's point, you always follow up. There's an art and a science. As we said, little tiny micro steps that if you skip, you'll just end up open. You know, you're going to hold an open house. You're going to have a lot of people show up. You'll have no meaningful conversations. You'll gather no leads, and you're going to fool yourself that open house leads or open houses don't work. Of course, they work. An open house is nothing, especially on a nice, well-positioned house, is just like having a really great retail storefront on the most uh, desirable retail street in your town. You guys get it? You know that's how you need to visualize it. You need to look great. The house needs to look great. The signage needs to look great. Everything when they walk in needs to be exceptional. Now, remember, depending on the price point of the house you're holding open, a lot of the people walking in are also going to be have homes to sell. So without you knowing it, you've actually started interviewing to be the listing agent on potentially dozens of future potential listings for you because those folks are seeing the effort you're putting forth just to hold that open house. That's right. So point number seven, door knock or canvas the neighborhood the day before your open house. Speak with as many homeowners as possible and ask who you should be calling so they can, quote, choose their neighbors, invite them by calling ASAP. So that's an easy script. This is a unique opportunity for you to choose your neighbors. Who do you know? Maybe somebody it, that came to your Christmas party or something like that who just loves this neighborhood. Make sure you're calling them, inviting them, connecting with the neighborhood. An advanced idea on that one. Uh, again, this is all more drilled down in our coaching program. But you can also have, say, for example, you're doing your open house from 1 till 4. You can call it a neighbor's only open house from, say, 10 mm -hmm. till noon or whatever. And then when you're uh, walk, walking around and inviting the neighbors to the open house, invite them to the neighbor's only open house that starts from 10 till noon. And then guess what you're doing? You're knowing that the people coming through from 10 till noon are actually the neighbors. Those Many are your listing leads. And who's going to walk through an open house who isn't at least thinking about selling their home? You understanding where we're leading with all mm -hmm. this. Do you notice how nothing we've told you so far requires you spending any money? Maybe the directional signs, and those are like $8 Ooh, so each. Cheap. Um, yeah, so you guys should all be very, very excited about this and stop using the excuse that you don't have uh, a house that you can hold open. Somebody in your marketplace does for sure. Yes, that's right. And something we should have mentioned at the top, every single open house should be generating for you at least one immediate listing lead, 
Some of them, you know, I have coaching clients where they get three or four, depends on how well you do all of these points and what house you choose, right? And an endless supply of buyers, many of whom also come with listings for you. So if you're not getting those results, you really are not doing your open houses right. That's why we're doing this podcast. By Look, everything we're telling you guys to do is going to require you being proactive. You can't just sit on your butt you know, playing Demon Slayer or whatever video game Zoe likes <laughs> right. to play. I don't even know. Roblox. Right, on your computer and just as people walk in, let me know if you have any questions. No. There's cookies on the counter. Nope, that isn't going to do it. You've <laughs> actually got to get off your duff and treat it as if you are running a retail store on the nicest street, uh, the nicest retail street in your community. And when somebody walks in, there's going to be somebody to greet them. There's going to be an experience that people have an expectation of having when they're walking into, as I've been giving you guys an example, a really nice high-end business. Replicate that for the sake of your open house and you're going to discover that open houses, for some of you, will become your number one spoke for lead generation. Yes, you got it. Point number eight, have rate sheets in your open house. Rate sheets are generated by your favorite lender. The point of a rate sheet is to show three different ways to purchase that home. Different down payments, different scenarios, which is best for your prospect. Your favorite lender, again, can supply these fact sheets. You can either keep those and discuss it and, you know, have a bunch in the kitchen drawer to give out if you get really slammed with your open house, as many of our coaching clients are. They're getting like 30, 40, 50 people at once. But you should be able to show three different ways to purchase the home. You guys are so used to having the 30-year fixed, 20% down standard issue loan, but now there's so many more advantageous loan products, the adjustable rate, the 10-year adjustable, you know, lots of different things. So make sure that you have those options. By the way, your lender might be a good person to partner with you while doing yes. open houses. So you're going to be at the front greeting everyone, and maybe they're the ones that are towards the back, and you can then, you know, shuffle business back and forth or leads back and forth while you're there. But that's a great idea. And again, the different rate sheet scenarios, we've given those, given you guys that information multiple times on this podcast. Really critical to understand that when you can have a slightly lower payment because your owner or the owner, you know, the owner of the home is willing to help subsidize the, uh, buy the rate down for the potential buyer, that in itself, if all thing, other things are equal, will result in that house selling over the other homes and sometimes for more than asking price, which is counterintuitive, but that is how it works. That's right. Okay. Point number nine, be sensitive to what you're discussing about the seller's situation. What are you authorized to share? If a potential buyer or their buyer's agent asks you why the seller is selling, what are you allowed to disclose? Will they perceive that the seller is more or less motivated by your answer? That's just a logistical point that you have to keep in mind so you don't screw that up. And remember, to Julie's earlier point, you are being watched, you are being recorded. So if you're having conversations, and we've heard horror stories about this, oh, yes. <laughs> about the seller's motivation or something, you know, maybe you're making it up, right? You're winging it. That is not going to be a good outcome for you. So keep your mouth shut. And uh, remember, even if it's not your listing and not your seller, if technically you have no agency relationship with that seller, but you do have inside information on them, do not share that information. Yeah. When in doubt, keep it zipped. Yep. Okay. Point number 10, systematize your open house spoke and turn it into your lead generation machine. Agents who are great at this consistently generate at least one new listing from every open house and an endless supply of buyers, again, some of which have homes to sell. Never pay for buyer leads again when you can instead generate better quality leads yourself for free. I think I explained that hopefully to everyone in a very clear and concise way. The least motivated buyers are the ones that you guys are paying literally billions of dollars for every year. 
the least motivated, least likely to transact buyers. That is the reason that so many, frankly, teams and brokerages right now who were built in the last 15 years predicated on the idea that they're going to provide leads to their agents or their buyer's agents. That's the reason those businesses right now are imploding because the buyer leads were okay back when, guess what? Everyone could buy a house because interest rates were nothing. But now that the interest rates have risen, now that there's less inventory for sale, the, and oddly enough, the, buy, the cost of the buyer leads has increased, that business model is effectively dead. You need to wake up to the realization that it's just going to get worse. Inflation, is it going up or is it going down, dear listener? I'll answer the question for you. It's absolutely going up. It's going to create more pressure on the marketplace, which makes buying buyer leads even more of an exercise in futility, more than it ever has been before. Learn to generate your own leads. Learn to generate. You do not have to tolerate. Be a proactive lead generator, which means doing the real work of real estate. And that is what our coaching program is all about. And again, all you've got to do is scroll down and just click you know, join Premier Coaching now for free. It's in the show description, whether it's on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, or I think we're on like 30 different podcast listening widgets. Every place all these notes are and every place you can uh, click and join Premier Coaching for free. All right. Point number 11, take the time to really know your subject property. Know all the usual things like bedrooms, baths, and square feet, but also ages of appliances, roofing, other pertinent items. Pretend that you're the potential buyer. What are the schools, parks, places of worship? Is there a homeowners association? What does it cost? What are the fees? What is the property tax? If you don't know the answer, don't wing it or guess. Again, this goes on your cheat sheet about the property, whether it's your listing or you're borrowing that listing. But use their questions as an opportunity to open up for a continued conversation, which will then necessitate them giving you your contact information. When you call them that evening with the answers. and Listen to what Julie's saying. The word is call. Talk to, voice to voice, or ideally person to person. Oh, and I'll share this with you guys too. Do not be surprised at all if you have buyers coming through an open house who want to buy the house that they're walking through. Be prepared for the buyer who wants to buy. We have heard countless times over the years of agents who have, uh, frankly, been you know stymied by the fact that they were not tuned into the fact that the person that they're talking with at the open house wants to actually buy the house. That is the point after all. So make sure you're ready to say, well, I've got a contract ready. We can, you can purchase this house right now if you'd like to, or let's write an offer. Let's knock the paperwork out and let's, I can leave this on the counter for the seller when they get home, that sort of thing. Do not be passive, dear listener, be aggressive. You're doing the work. You might as well get paid for it. Yes, that's right. So there's two great buyer scripts that go with that, that you remind me about. And they're very simple. One is, why don't we go ahead and write it up so we can take it off the market for everyone else? Aha. Aha. You can put some, you know, questions out there and that sort of thing, but write it up. And the other one that you and I, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I remember we learned this at some seminar we went to, the best buyer script in the world. So do you want to buy it? (laughs) And I know, I remember thinking it cannot be that easy. And then I will never forget you and I were showing a house in Upper Arlington one day. And I think we had dared each other who was going to say that script. It was like our first or second year in the business. Uh, exactly. And I remember and this the, was an expensive house. It was. And I remember, I remember distinctly the buyers walking up the basement steps and one of us said, so do you want to buy it? And the guy turns around and he goes, I think I do. Yep. And you and I looked at each other like, you've got to be kidding me. How many of you are, when you have a buyer that's ready to buy, uh, are, well, first of all, you might not even know because you're not even offering to write the offer, but you're then thinking that buyer is going to require some sort of 14-page dossier on all the nuanced things to, no, 
Just write the offer. You're not a home inspector. You're not a decorator. You're not an appraiser. You're not an appraiser. You're not a loan officer. Read what your real estate license says. It says sales agent. Your job is to introduce said buyer to house and then write the offer. That is your job. If you are putting anything in the way of your job, it's probably why you're not selling any or uh, more homes. Keep these things in mind. You're making it more complicated than it has to be. The buyer does not want you to do that. The buyer wants you to help them write an offer. That is their goal. And by the way, when you list a house, the seller wants you to do the same thing so that you can get their home sold. Exactly. Okay. Our final point today is number 12. Get an open house partner who is licensed ideally. You mentioned having a lender there is also a good idea. But ideally, this is to help you manage the sign-in process, answer questions, provide added security. It's a great thing to have so many people attend your open house, but it's even better when you're able to connect with 100% of them after the fact. So again, remember to follow up on the same day. All of these points are important. Don't just pick and choose all of these points, 1 through 12, done in combination will get you at least that next listing lead and a bunch of buyer leads, probably a lot more than that. But you have to follow every point, not just a few select ones and then wonder what happened. It really is important that you plant yourselves uh, in the foyer or the front of the house so that you can greet them when they walk in. Don't delegate that. I know some of you were thinking about, (laughs) I'll just have, you know, somebody else will do the greeting. No, you need to be the first person they meet and you need to be the last person they say goodbye to before they walk out the door because you can then welcome them and you can obviously, you know, offer to help them sign in. And then as they leave, you can offer uh, any additional questions to be answered for them. You get the point. That's called being proactive. And by the way, as promised, this costs you nothing. It does not require a very complicated system with a bunch of steps and, you know, knowing how to tweak Facebook ads and use, you know, secret algorithms and, you know, secret handshakes with websites. (laughs) QR codes, double opt-in pages. And it's free, right? Doing this does take your time, right? At the end of the day, you're going to have to take the time to actually do the open house. But here's, I'll tell you the secret agenda Julie and I have from asking all of you to do this. And this is how you're actually going to feel having done this. You're going to feel proud of yourself. You're going to feel proud of yourself because you will have actually been the person, seen yourself in action, talking with people about buying or selling real estate. The psychological benefit from stepping away from your computer, from stepping away from your TikTok and your social networking and all the rest of it, and actually getting out into the marketplace and getting into the field and having direct conversations with buyers or sellers is going to be the very thing that you've been looking for that's going to make you feel incredibly motivated. Lots of you have been seduced, lied to, into believing that you're not supposed to do any real work until you actually have found your big why or you're feeling motivated or you have your dream board set up or you have all your all this psychological mumbo jumbo woo-woo stuff. This, what we've just asked you to do, is how you're going to feel motivated. You're going to see yourself, feel yourself having meaningful conversations that are, by the way, helping people And that in in itself is going to make you feel incredible. You having conversations with people, you being the real estate professional, you then obviously selling real estate and making money, that is what's going to cause you to be motivated. Stop looking around for reasons not to do the real work of real estate, guys. Everything you're looking for is on the other side of doing stuff like this. This has always been true, always will be true. does not matter what's happening in the market. Now, there are houses that we don't want you to consider holding open. And Julie said it too. And it's really important because if you screw up point number one, you're going to have no success no matter how well you follow the other point, uh, other points. 
You want to hold something open that's not through a bunch of security gates. You want to probably try to avoid condos and things like that because it's too damn complicated. Many of you are going to be in situations like Manhattan where you're not going to have a choice. I get it. You're going to uh, want to have do not park in the driveway. I'm, you know, obviously sharing, you know, I'm going driving down deeper on some of these points. Leave the driveway clear. You're going to have consumers park there, but you can't do anything about it. You don't park there. Don't park in front of the house, in front of your open house sign. They won't see the open house sign when they drive by. You need to park on the other side of the street. Simple things. You need to look really freaking nice. And you need to smell nice. You need to look nice. Have your act together. <laughs> Do not look unprofessional. Do not wear flip-flops. Do not look like you're just another person who happens to be at the open house, and then they're surprised to learn you're actually the real estate agent. Don't have a football game on in the big screen on the great room. Exactly. Don't have the house. I mean, you know. You, <laughs> but these be, are all things that we've witnessed. Right. There, we know. can go on and on. <laughs> you know. Do not wing it. Have actual information. Be a professional. Remember, again, depending on the price point of the house you're holding open, you're actually being interviewed without knowing it by prospective sellers. So you need to step up and think about that. And again, you're going to do an open house. Let's say you have five or six hours wrapped up into this between the neighbors only open house. You made some invitation. Again, when you're inviting the neighbors, the neighbors open only. It's a good idea to give them a little invitation. Don't have it just be some half-assed eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. Maybe eight and a half, 11, cut in half. Then you make a nice little invitation out of it. You fold it in half. You use nicer stock paper. On the outside of it, you make it say you're invited. Make some effort. Try to make yourself different by actually showing the prospective sellers in the community that you, you know, you're different because you're actually going to put in the extra work to get this property sold. These tiny little things make an enormous difference when it comes to getting properties sold, when it comes to taking future listings. Be excited because what this market has to offer for those of you who are willing to do the real work of real estate is extraordinary like nothing Julie and I have seen in the last 15 years. This is probably, no, I'll say this. This is certainly the best time to, uh, I'll say this, be new in real estate, but also for those of you who are not new in real estate who are ready to take your businesses to the next level. Why? Because the well-entrenched agents who are able to get most of their business from centers of influence and past clients and the sellers themselves weren't that picky who they were going to choose to sell their homes because of the fact they knew the house was going to sell even if they overpriced it, had bad mm -hmm. location, bad condition. They weren't that picky, so they're just going to list with their buddy who they bowl with or whatever, right? Now they're going to be picky. Now they're going to have expired, the, the incumbent realtors are going to have expired listings. There's so many different opportunities a marketplace like this offers, offers that we have not seen for 15 years. You can absolutely dominate a market like this. This is a similar market that Julie and I are experiencing when we got into real estate. You know, when we got into real estate, a really, really kick-ass interest rate was seven oh, percent. Yeah, that was okay. that was considered the great interest rate. Right, many people were borrowing between seven and nine percent. Yep. And the agents that we are competing against were all these agents that were older than us by, in some cases, thirty years, yep. who'd sold real estate in these markets forever. And when we sold over a hundred homes that you know our first year, and we sold between hundred and two hundred for about ten years after that. Guess what? Those were listings, usually half of those homes you sold every year were listings that would have gone to the you know, agents that had been so entrenched in those marketplaces forever, but the sellers had become more weary of listing with Bob, you know, the neighborhood agent, because after all, Bob doesn't do open houses. That's very true. It's a little known fact. You guys think that it's just planting a sign and seeing how it goes. The neighborhood is watching 
The, our coaching clients who do this regularly as a great spoke of uh, lead generation, they say, they have these conversations where people will actually say, we're visiting open houses in our neighborhood this afternoon to see which agents we click with. It's true. They literally will say that. And especially in that middle and move up, if if you are doing open houses and everybody else in the neighborhood is not, they lost. You're the one who's being proactive. It's so obvious that you're proactive. And the proactive, especially in a market like this, are absolutely being rewarded with all of the business. You know, it's also interesting, and this is a stone cold fact. Listeners, are you brand loyal? You're not brand loyal, right? Uh, you know, you're not. You're, you are not looking for only buying craft foods or you're not only going to buy one particular brand of car. You're going to look across all, you know, Apple's the closest thing that there is to brand loyalty nowadays. For the most part, beyond that, nobody really cares because people perceive all things are the same. Well, that's the same thing when it comes to people choosing the agent they're going to work with. That's the reason that agents are generally hired or rather sellers choose or buyers choose who they're going to work with based on the first agent that they meet because they perceive we're all the same. Right or wrong, that's an interesting fact. But here's really what the big takeaway should be. Let's say you are in a marketplace where there's two or three well-entrenched realtors and you're just psychologically feeling like, well, that agent's, you know, those agents are going to kick my butt every single time. You're making the mistake of assuming that those sellers in that particular market are brand loyal to those agents. I promise you they are not. They are looking for better alternatives. What's a better alternative? It's not lower commission or somebody that's listed at a higher price. Nine times out of 10, it's somebody that has energy and enthusiasm. Somebody that's going to make the effort. Somebody that's not going to be complacent. Somebody that's, that's the reason that markets like this create enormous opportunities for folks that really want to get their businesses to the next level. Maybe you've always dreamed about selling luxury real estate. Well, now's your time. Maybe, you, maybe you've always you know, dreamed about working into a different neighborhood, a different price point, or maybe even becoming a listing agent. Now is your time because of this market. That's right. So your job, if you are not already setting up an open for this weekend, get it set up for next weekend. Follow all 12 points. Don't pick and choose what you're going to do. And then, you know, it's not just about that one solo open house. Turn this into a repetitive event, a spoke that actually works for you. And I have to say, from a coaching standpoint, Tim, one of the benefits that I see for agents that take this seriously and who implement and do it repetitively is that their skills, their uh, their scripts, their conversations, their, their confidence, confidence yep. increases exponentially because the open house is a great opportunity to have all of those conversations and to get used to talking about real estate, to stop being a secret agent to have one event where you make multiple contacts, which creates lead generation for you. Use our open house lead follow-up scripts. That's what you get in Premier Coaching and go after it. It makes such a huge difference. And I look back to, you know, that big first year we had in real estate. I bet you probably 20 plus of those over hundred transactions, maybe even 30 were open house leads. Well, we would do the open houses. We had Enya playing on the, uh, <laughs> playing on the, you know, the CD player or the MP3 in the background, yep. you know, that's a music. Uh, we would have these plugins that smelled like vanilla when they walked in the door, right? You know, all these types of things. Julie and I were, you know, psychological warfare, basically. We <laughs> wanted people to walk in and feel comfortable. Yeah. But the other thing we would do is any for sale by owner that was anywhere near that community, we went, nah, 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 and we'd invite them, obviously, to the open house. Again, mm -hmm. these are ways for you to, these are great conversation starters. And people will hire you because they perceive that all agents are the same, just because they see that you're making an effort, just because you have energy and enthusiasm. Yep. That in itself will be rewarded in this or really any marketplace, but this one more than ever. Be incredibly motivated now. Be incredibly excited now. 
This is the opportunity you've been hoping for. Now it's up for you to seize this opportunity. Do not be complacent. Please do not, you know, look guys, all the passive stuff barely worked in the past market. If you're, you're probably, many of you are still trying to make the old stuff work, the digital stuff work in this market. The reason it's not working is because it barely worked in the past. The things that were, uh, the FOMO, the fear of missing out in the marketplace was fooling you into thinking all that other stuff was working more than it actually was. Now you're realizing, now that the FOMO, the fear of missing out's out of the market, mostly, you're now realizing that, well, guess what? What Tim and Julie have been saying over the last 5,000 plus podcasts <laughs> yeah. over the past 20 years, you know what? Turns out it's true. <laughs> who knew? And who knew? And now it's actually time for me to learn how to be a proactive lead generator. Guys, at the end of the day, do not build your mansion on land you do not own. Do not build your castle, your house on land you do not own. In other words, you need to build your business and your future based on efforts that you can directly control because then you can control the results. You cannot do that if you're buying your business. You will always be beholden mm -hmm. if you're buying your leads. Do not fall into that trap because that trap will keep you trapped forever and will make it so, frankly, you're never going to have a business. You're just always going to end up basically wondering where your next lead is going to come from. Be a proactive lead generator. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.